1: Before we get into today's episode, I want to tell you a little bit about our current sponsors, uh, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame. As you well know, if you've been following This Is Oklahoma, they've been a huge part of this podcast. So this podcast is presented by the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, telling Oklahoma story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Hall of Fame, go to www.Oklahomahof.com and follow them on Instagram for daily updates at Oklahoma HOF. Also, for the podcast, a new sponsor this year has just come on board and super excited to announce RCB Bank. Since 1936, RCB Bank has offered progressive products and a friendly service. Come in today to find out more about their loan promotion on new used refinance cars, boats, campers, and ATVs. Visit RCB Bank to learn more. RCB Bank, that's my bank, with approved credit restrictions apply. Now, let's get into today's episode. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma. Mike Hearn, here, your host, back with another episode down at the Bedford studio again. Like I say this every time, if you need a camera or you need prints or anything to do with that stuff, um, come on down. Tell them This is Oklahoma sent you. I almost said Mrs. Oklahoma. That's not me. Uh, (laughs) My my guest today, Kaylee Dodson, director of Restore uh, OKC, and then Jonathan Field, director of Restore Jobs, which there's a, a that's just one of the titles. I'm sure that you guys do. Um, thanks for coming down. I'm excited to talk about the market, uh, and and excited to just talk about when it's coming out. And and you know the the whole east side of Oklahoma City is the needs this, uh, and it's a long time coming. And I'm excited that someone's finally doing something. So appreciate you guys coming in. Uh, before we dive into that stuff uh, and tell people about the market. Um, I guess, who are you and what you you know what do you really do? Like, who are you really? That's what we're going to dive into first. <laughs> so if you want to give yourselves an introduction? And uh, I guess, how do you get to Oklahoma City?
2: So, yeah. first, I guess. Oh, man. Is that polite? I don't know if that's polite <laughs> or not. We'll, we'll determine that later. Um, yeah, so I actually was born and raised in Oklahoma City area. So Northwest Oklahoma City. Um, married my husband right out of college, Oklahoma State. America's brightest orange and <laughs> we'll clear that up a little bit later
0: America's <laughs> brightest orange yeah. yours is
2: burnt you don't even try to be bright
0: it's, not, know, it's not even a thing you guys go, do when things go on fire they were fine so the mm, okay. Yeah, um, okay so <laughs> this is my turn ladies first Oh, you're right. I'm so
2: sorry. graduated Oklahoma State married my husband uh, wound up within a year of that in St. Louis Missouri so we mm. spent about 10 years there did our master's degrees um, and really what wound up happening for us was we belonged to a church body there that was incredibly multicultural and um, incredibly diverse socioeconomically and, and uh, it, that, that experience and coming on staff with a uh, community development ministry in St. Louis um, during the years and kind of formative years up to uh, the shoot, shooting and killing of Michael Brown was um, just an incredible flipped our worlds on its head experience. Um, spent 10 years there working with women, transitioning out of prostitution and addiction. Um, my husband managed low-income housing and really just doing life with neighbors uh, taught us how little we really understand <laughs> about the world and the way it works for folks who don't look like me. Um, And so that uh, drastically changed everything about um, just sort of the trajectory of our lives and what we understood in terms of where we were called to be. Um, And then when Michael Brown was shot and killed in Ferguson, a group of uh, individuals, families, friends, um, connections from families and friends that um, we knew back here wanted to come and visit what we were a part of there in St. Louis. Um, at the same time that Michael Brown was happening in St. Louis, Missouri, the Daniel Holtzclaw trials were actually happening in this city, which was you know, the officer that was indicted, on, I believe, on 90-something counts of sexual abuse, almost all against women in our community. And it was really highlighting, honestly, for a lot of the majority culture, this question. I say this and I say it um, with a little bit of a cringe because I I do think that it is honestly the question that the majority culture was asking at that time, which was, do we have a race problem? Um, If you sat in northeast Oklahoma City or you sat in inner city St. Louis or you sat in Ferguson, Missouri, you already knew the answer to that question. But I do think in a, in a very painful way, that moment in time woke a lot of people up to ask the question, do we have a race problem? And if so, not only as a faith community, but certainly uniquely as a faith community, how are we to then respond? Um, and so what... Was discovered over the course of coming to visit us in St. Louis and us just sort of um, leaving them with some questions and discovery was, you know, they came back and found, hey, in Oklahoma City's context, yes, there's an 18-year life discrepancy between Northeast Oklahoma City and the wider city average. Um, Yes, we've got, you know, when we began Restore OKC, two of our three schools were considered failed at every level. Um, There were tremendous, uh, you know, issues around racial divisions that were creating an impact of multi-generational poverty that was rooted in injustice for our community. And I think that was really eye-opening. So we landed back here to help start Restore OKC in the summer of 2016 alongside uh, Ernest O'Dunzi and his family, born and raised in Northeast Oklahoma City, um, graduate of Northeast High School, um, and we're just honored to come alongside them, moved into the community we now get to serve, call it home. I'm proud to do that now for about five years, and here we are.
1: Yeah,
0: talk that's, that. That's
1: me. He <laughs> can. I'll, He's I'll pretty cool. The
0: best. Yeah. Uh, so Jonathan Veal, originally from uh, Houston, Texas, the great state of Texas, mm. where God smiles on it every <laughs> single day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I grew up in, um, uh, in a city, inner city context, similar to the northeast side, called Third Ward, uh, which is literally you know five blocks from downtown. Uh, Houston, Um, literally born, educated, raised in in, uh, that area. So um, I uh, spent Thirteen years uh, with Chick Fil A, um, on their expansion team. So uh, when they would identify a market, um, I would be a part of the team that would go in and meet with that that you know operator that was selected, uh, help with uh, development of plan, um, vendor set vendor accounts, set of vendor accounts, uh, the recruitment, the the hiring, the training, um, and then mobilizing certified trainers to come in and to support uh, the grand opening, and would stay another four weeks in, and then uh, launch out after that. Uh, so. So, uh, back in 07, uh, Oklahoma City. Um, was I, I'd identified by chick Inc. as a growth market. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was assigned Oklahoma City. So we started with Midwest City, Norman, and then Moore. Um, and so I built relationships with a lot of uh, operators in the area and uh, began just to really grow fond of this area. So when we opened up the Moore location, mm-hmm. uh, it was something different about the, the individuals in that area, so um, I called my wife while I'm in the hotel and said, what do you think about moving to Oklahoma? <laughs> <laughs> and she said, Oklahoma, what, where? She's
1: like, you're I crazy. Said, I said, more Oklahoma. And yeah. she
0: said, um, let, let's think about this. So I mean, give you a little bit more context. Uh, we had just been in our new house two years. Um, uh, one of my, my wife's dreams was uh to have a house where she opened the front door she could see the front door the, of the elementary school okay. and we found this house just you know in a in a nice little cul-de-sac um but we felt a uh, guy leading us here and we prayed about it moved up didn't know anyone here yeah at all um uh, at least we thought at first yeah. uh, but once we um, started getting embedded in the community. Um, we, we started learning that we knew people who we had met, you know, prior to moving to Oklahoma that we'd already established relationships with. Uh, so 2016, um, I, I have a heart for um, high capacity leaders and growing leadership teams. Um, so I launched out and started my own business called Built to Bridge Management Group that focused on uh, people and leadership development. Um, and so uh, my church had been doing, um, uh, what we call work days. Uh, every second Saturday of the month, um, we invite the Greater Greater Oklahoma City into the northeast side of uh, Oklahoma City to to serve alongside those neighbors. So my church was a part of that. That's how I met Kaylee and Ernest and the rest of the team. And. Uh, just really fell in love uh, even more, and just just started thinking, wow, this looks so familiar to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it was because that's that's uh, you know, northeast side was you know really reflected of where I grew up um, in Houston, and so um, just through some conversations, and uh, they, um, Ernest and Kaylee, they brought me over and we talked about like the heart of built a bridge, and uh, a lot of what I had in my heart was similar to what they had in their heart. Um, uh, funny story. Um, a, a good friend of mine uh, was working with a, uh, a urban um, ministry in South Dallas, and so mm-hmm. I was driving to Houston, um, going to meet with the client. Got stuck in Dallas traffic. Called him and said, "Hey, where's this 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 ministry you're at?" He said, "It's seven minutes away from downtown." I'm like, "Okay, I'm pulling over instead of getting get stuck <laughs> in traffic." And so as I pull up, um, I see what's going on, and I'm I'm thinking in my head, "This is Restore KC." And so mm-hmm. I get a tour, and I get back on the road. As soon as I get back on the road, I call, no, I text, text both of these guys like, I don't know what we need to do, but I need to make sure you guys get here. Mm-hmm. And she's like, get where? Like, have you ever heard of Bonton Farm? She's like, yes, we've been trying to get there for, <laughs> right. for, for and make a contact, you have a contact? I said, I'll take it from here. So uh, this was 2019 now, mm-hmm. uh, around June. And uh, we, we set up for tour with Kaylee, um, Ann Miller, who is our director of, of farms, and um, Josh Jackson Kaylee's husband, uh, we took a tour, and um, the hook was definitely in, in their mouths. Um, a lot of um, what Restore had in their heart about seeing it come to fruition was already taking place and being mm-hmm. fleshed out. Um, and so, um, you know, on the, the trip back, we kind of—I think a couple days later—we had a, a debrief, and um, we felt really felt. Uh, good about you know where a store was, but the potential of where it could be because they had opportunity to really see it being fleshed out. Uh, and then about two weeks later, mm-hmm. the only grocery store, left, full grocery store, left in um, in uh, in northeast side closed on MLK and and 23rd. Um, so the three to five year plan of opening the market got accelerated, uh, so that over the course of 10 to 12 weeks, what used to be a shipping t- container storage, um, workshop area, uh, was transformed into, um, what we currently, well, what we knew as, um, our, our market, um, every store.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Um, a little micro grocery. A little micro grocery. So Super exciting. 1200 how we square got
2: foot micro grocery. Yeah. 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 It was an incredible feat, um, the in a partnership of the city. This whole thing has been an incredible partnership with the city and Nikki Nice and the Alliance. I mean, we could go on and on names, but we are were able to get our 1,200-square-foot uh, little workshop actually zoned as a full-blown retail um, grocery location. So that has been incredible just to have a food option for neighbors during the, the pandemic especially. So it also makes us really excited about adding some square footage here to the market <laughs> at East Point and then getting an yes. actual... Um, we kind of use a like a Trader Joe's sized mm-hmm. grocery store uh, in, the, in the heart of the community. So we're definitely excited about that. Um, definitely surpassed our three to five year plan after we went down. Restore OKC is a community development organization in Northeast Oklahoma City. So our offices are at Northeast 27th and Martin Luther King, just east of Martin mm-hmm. Luther King. And we're actually on a five acre um, property there that was an incredible, incredible find um, and gift to us. That we rezoned as an urban farm when we purchased it. So we actually are a five-acre urban farm and there's about 18 youth that are from the community that are working on that urban farm. Mm-hmm. And really were kind of the heartbeat for us. So when we went to visit Bonton Farms, which is our sister farm in South Dallas now, um, you know, they had this urban farm going as well, but they had that market grocery store attached in the middle of a community. On a dead end street, cul-de-sac, and you would think, good gosh, if they're making this work in the worst possible retail location, I, I think we have a market for it in right. Oklahoma and City and if, as if well. If I could give
0: uh, greater context to that, um, back in O2, so I, I moved from Houston to Dallas, and I just wanted to see the city, and so um, I heard about you know Bonton in South Dallas, so um, just kind of naive and just driving around the city, and um, you know found Bonton and came back and told some, you know, some individuals, hey, yeah, I, I was hanging out and went to South Dallas, I was in Bonton, they're like, why did you go to Bonton? You made it out of bon- you, Do you know where you were? <laughs> Let me give you the history. So they started giving me history about yeah. it. And then now fast forward, uh, we, we took that trip in 2017. The, the not the, not, a, not the entire city, the entire country, you know. Internationally, um, Montana has a has an attraction, and so um, yeah. it, it it shows you what can happen when um, individuals, you know, humble themselves and, and work together. Um, how you can transform a community.
1: Right, That yeah. gives you hope too, doesn't it? And you totally. know that like, you know, and I you know one of the quotes is like, if someone else has done it, then someone else, we can do it, right? Yeah. Like if someone else has done this, then it is possible for us to do it as well. Yeah, right? and that's you what know? I told,
0: told them. was that by seeing this. Um, if you if you stay obedient to to what what God has placed in your heart everything will be accelerated mm-hmm. I think that's happened
2: I yeah right <laughs> yeah I, With I, your five-year plans right. <laughs> yeah yeah that that five-year plan became very accelerated very quickly so yeah. um, and a lot of that is you know that's that is possible because of just incredible buy-in from community and community leaders who serve on the community action team mm-hmm. Uh, Interns, which, you know, if you're not connected to the next generation of our communities, you you should do so. Um, It is such a fuel to us continually to see just sort of not only their vision, but the energy with which they pursue it and want to see a better future for themselves, but for the next generations behind them. Um, So really getting to push behind them too, as their vision was, hey, what if we could not only kind of grow some food in our community, what if we could sell it and, you know, sort of start to see the reciprocal impact of food, not only, you know, exchanging hands one time as we grow it, turn around, sell it into Mm -hmm. Homeland's inventory, but Homeland puts it on our shelves and we turn around and then sell it again. You know, what do you start, what do you start to see as, as a tax base that supports your public school systems and just sort of the cumulative impact you can't really fully yeah. fathom when you when you start things like this it's been a pretty incredible yeah. thing to witness
1: for for some context people yeah. listening i don't think people realize how like when that store closed like where was the nearest store for them in oh, that wow. area yeah. right like i we i've been fortunate enough to be on the regional food bank uh, board this year I and wonder. like i i didn't know until yeah. i you know was educated through that and you know the the work that the food bank does as well for for everyone and just you know, shocked how far people had to actually travel to yes. get groceries.
2: It's nuts. It is nuts. You know, we tell uh, a story of a neighbor who she walked to the nearest gas station for her, which is a, which is a decent hike um, for her. And we have a, quite a quite a bit of our community is transit dependent. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's another factor. You know, you have to mm-hmm. consider is uh, incredibly fortunate. We don't maybe necessarily think about it as an incredibly fortunate thing to have a vehicle. Um, right. I can get in my car and drive twenty minutes across town and go to whichever I want. Sure, um, that is not. That is not the majority of our community, so it definitely um, was a huge hit. Uh, we, did, we did some immediate food distributions actually with Regional Food Bank and um, Skyline, and, and it was actually in the context of those emergency food distributions that sort of the idea for the, for the grocery store was born. Um, but those were incredibly helpful because most of our community, there was, um, sort of one smaller market that was not deemed very viable, um, by some neighbors. So a lot of our neighbors were doing at the time around a three hour round trip bus ride to get to a grocery store that, uh, they considered full service for them. So, um, that was, that was a pretty astronomical thing to consider. Um, and that first summer, gosh, we would probably pick up several, uh, you know, individuals per day getting off those bus stops. And if you think about it, if I'm going to go a three-hour bus trip, I'm going to load up with everything I can. But it's also July in Oklahoma, so all my stuff's melting by the time I get home. And I'm trying to bust it home with all these bags. And, you know, we'd pick people up, just drive them back, um, just wanting to see their cold items stay cold. And it was uh, definitely a wild moment for yeah. a lot of neighbors.
1: You, you mentioned community and, I mean, people listening to the podcast or just that are aware, that listen to stuff around Oklahoma City and the news that, you know, community is spoken about a lot. But I don't think people actually realize how much of an impact it has. You talk about it, you know, hey, Oklahoma City has a really cool community, but you guys actually know the full impact of it and the help that Homeland has given and, and everybody else, right? Like, tell us a little bit about kind of the on-the-ground impact that you have seen and are, and are a part of. Yeah, I guess there's so many. It's probably just a few examples. Yeah, I was going to say. Sorry to give you that question. No,
2: one of the things I think is the most incredible um, just sort of – I don't know, little mark of approval that this is the thing we were supposed to do is the amount, when you think of community, you know, I think of, okay, if something like this were to happen to me, if I go through a crisis, if I suffer some sort of a catastrophe, I'm going to have people surrounding me with the full weight of their resources and support. And they're going to make sure that I don't fall, my kids don't fall, right? We're not going to experience need in those basic need categories. We're going to be cared for, carried, surrounded. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of folks who don't have that, and that's sort of the basic building block of community. And so I think in a really wonderful way, if you think about you know, what does community development do in this situation, it's look at where are the leaders and community members who, who actually do have a lot they want to give, and can we kind of convene those things so that we actually do see that fabric of community that's existing in every, every place, every mm-hmm. individual community has this can we kind of bring that to an expression that lets it be a little more fully fleshed out? So in moments like this, we're less vulnerable as a community. Um, And so, you know, early conversations with Homeland, Homeland's always been a partner in our little 1200 square foot market. They've, you know, we don't meet the minimums to order directly from AWG. So Homeland sort of uses their volume to allow us to order direct and keep costs low. That's been incredible. Um, When when we kind of saw, okay, this is a longer term thing, Um, getting to chat with Homeland and getting to think outside the box. So we built a first of its kind public-private partnership to do this. So we as a 501c3 own this grocery store, and that means some incredible things for neighbors. One, it means we control sort of price points. Um, We can subsidize things. We can raise grants. We can kind of do some things to try to offset costs on items or category items that that we know are needed in the community. We can also sort of um, garner some partnerships with like OU Health Science Center and and other folks who have a vested interest in sort of long term community health Who that 18 year, you know, life discrepancy speaks to a lot of social determinant of health markers that we need to be addressing as not just as you know, nonprofit groups, but as the whole city, we need to be thinking about so hopefully we can bridge and broker some of those things in but the most incredible, you know, the the wall of names uh, of people who contributed to bring this thing to pass is just a it's this wild tapestry of you know churches black lives matter corporations neighbors who ran over like wads of cash after work from tips that they've and it's it's this display of names. You're like, these kinds of people do not normally collaborate. They don't, they don't normally even get along. <laughs> you know? So to see sort of the collective worth and, and people go, no, uh, there is a unique moment here where we are called to, I think, you know, be community to one another, especially in a community where we have not acted as community in, in, throughout history. Uh, we have a unique moment here. Uh, we have to step up and do something, and it's been profound. to, I think watch those things play out.
1: Yeah, that's that. that it, I'm sure super empowering just to see everything come together like that, right? Because oh, you're my never going to get those people in a room with any any other reason. No, you know, it's and if wild. it is, it's a bad reason because right. something bad has happened, it, and they won't stay in their room long. Exactly. Right. Yeah, uh, Jonathan, tell me about kind of your. You know, obviously it's great having the store, and 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 you know you can provide, and then people can buy groceries. But you have a unique perspective because this is going to provide jobs as well.
0: Yeah. So tell
1: me about kind of your you know your, your angle and how you specifically work, you know, to create the jobs, right, and and staff and all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. So this 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 market project um, had me re- revisit some some history <laughs> I had with Chick Fil A. So my primary role was, like I said, uh, new openings, and so the process that. I did over 25 times with Chick Fil A. Um, I brought that experience um, into this project as well. And so, uh, but from a job's perspective, if you think about you know those things that uh, make up a healthy community, um, you know, uh, healthy uh, access to education, fair banking, housing, um, food, um, but then also um, employment. You know, um, and so you know a lot of times. Um, individuals um, in industry they look for the pristine um, application or resume Um, and a lot of individuals that we have engaged from a jobs perspective um, they you know either have made a poor decision or life circumstances have put them in in a certain place where they they can't find tangible employment and so uh, the unique thing about what we do is um, the two things that that we uh, we look for um, is um, the ability to show up, be present, um, and, and they just have a great attitude. Uh, now, if you do both, that's great, but if you can just have one of one of those, we can work with the other. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. And so to, to, to meet in individuals where they are, um, understand where they want to go to, then help them you know, bridge the gap in between, uh, for me, it's just so life-giving mm-hmm. um, because um, their experience up until this point has not been that. Um, a lot of times in the industry and in ministry, um, the the work engagement is just transactional you come, you clock in from nine to five. You get a check, a paycheck, you know, at the end of two weeks, um, and that's it. We're not concerned about where you are in life. Um, why have you showed up five minutes late the last couple of weeks? Uh, but uh, we want to make employment relational. Mm-hmm. We want to know the whole person. We're not just consider. We're not concerned about just the person who's working, but we want to know what are the the things, the factors that are, are driving that person's behavior when they do come into work. Yeah, which is so key, um, and so. If, just in a short amount of time, you know, we've been able to um, to see, um, you know, families change, their, their lives change. And obviously with 2020 and the pandemic, we were able to see that on a even, you know, uh, uh, elevated scale last year where um, we had families that, uh, individuals that was working with us and, um, you know, when you know the 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 schools were shut down, they had to go virtual. Like, how do how do I deal with this? You know, yeah. and we we opened up our market space, Hey, so hey, come here. We can do all we can to support you. Okay. Um, or the housing came into to to into into question. We came around them and said, okay, how can we help you? And bring our partners over, alongside you to help you. And that was all through employment and jobs. Mm-hmm. And so. Um, also, um, you know, any employment opportunity through restored jobs, um, we don't want that to be the end point, We want that to be the launching point. And so, we have a eight week uh, job training um, course called Work Life mm-hmm. um, that um, helps individuals reshape their story, um, help them go through uh, soft skills and you know conflict resolution, code switching. Um, Towards the end, um, once they've shown themselves consistent, we bring outside partners in mm-hmm. um, to help them with mock interviews. So typically, because you've had these this, this shaky pass or poor decisions, um, the anxiety level is high and the confidence level is low yeah. going into um, an mm-hmm. interview session with a, a Kimray or a, another you know major c- corporation. But now you've gone through this mock interview and you've kind of gotten intel into what industry is looking for. The anxiety level goes down, the confidence level goes up, and to see that person's face just blossom and just get they like, get excited um, it's, it's like I said it's like for me to, to be a, par- a part yeah. of that so
1: that's awesome and, and you're right you're you're, you're you're kind of like just get, you know you're giving people a second third fourth chance whatever but it's it's you're building their relation you know, you're building their relationship but you're, you're launching them into a future career right, yeah, right. Of, cou- of course you'd love them to stay there forever but also like you would I think you would probably you know have them give them a chance they work at the store and then eight years nine years later you see them and, and they've, they've got a full career with like you said a Kim Ray or someone and they're, right. they're a part of the community and they're helping others and they're just giving back and you know that's you're right I can see why that like I'm just thinking about it now if I was a part of that right and you just imagine yourself speaking to, to someone you know it could be an older gentleman who's had a bad past or a mother or whatever like it's you know, you're, you're a huge kind of, you're the change in their life that they needed.
0: Yeah. And we communicate this on the front end because like a lot of times uh, in industry, um, you know, when they you know, hire this individual, they want to get all they can out of them. Mm-hmm. And then when that person has, you know, capped off their, their growth potential, you know, they they move on to someone yeah. else. Um, but we, we take the uh, 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 inverter approach. We want to invest in you as much as we can and then launch you. Yeah. Into wherever you want to go, and mm-hmm. so for them, this is like I so said, this is foreign. They're like, wait, you're investing all this in me, yeah. and you're you're not looking for the return. I'm like, no, no the return is you getting out uh, for mm-hmm. us. The return is you getting launched into whatever that is. Could be it could be an entrepreneur opportunity, or you working in the industry that you know mm-hmm. you really feel passionate and purposeful purposeful yeah. about. And so yeah, that's it's it's so exciting to be a part of it. Now here's a here's the I guess the. The awesome thing that we've been able to do. We've we created a, a culture where people want to stay. So we've retained about <laughs> yeah. 95% of our people. But, but yeah. you know, um, but it, it, it's, it's cool to see we built something that people want to stay around yeah, and be around. Right. And then what we tell them is what, what you've experienced now go give that, go go mm-hmm. go share that with someone else. So the opportunity, the margin that we yeah. place in your life, go do that. And then that's how you, you see a community over time begin to change. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So so, you know, once this opens up and it's it's going and you've got everyone coming in, I guess like this is just one project of many that that's on the future plans, right? Like you said, you had a five-year plan. I'm sure there was a ten and a twenty. Like, yes. what is next? Yes.
2: For- so it may be helpful to sort of understand too, like the the overarching structure. The 501c3, the nonprofit, is Restore OKC. Underneath that, there are a bunch of arms. Mm-hmm. So we've, you know, our Restore Schools arm has 475 volunteers across three partner elementary schools that serve our northeast Oklahoma City community. Um, really excited about some very fun plans and partnership with Boys and Girls Club in terms of just how we make a significant impact for students even beyond uh, supporting, putting support around the schools themselves and and staff. Um, We've got a homes arm that does home repair and low income housing, which we're also expanding right now. No wonder we're tired. Um, (laughs) We have, you know, the the jobs arm, which is, yes. So underneath Restore Jobs, we have a residential and commercial cleaning company called Wellspring who has boomed actually during COVID. They went CDC certified for COVID remediation, and um, they have been just an incredible growth company to watch. So it's one employment arm. The market is another employment arm. Um, there's definitely more plans and hopes there to kind of get invested behind community leaders and just continue to replicate businesses that can employ more people, and we can do this work exponentially. Um, and then there's Restore Farms, which is just beginning, really. Um, so we've got three you know, aquaponic greenhouses, commercial greenhouses with aquaponic growing towers in them. We've got high school students uh, that are re- really learning, gosh, everything from ag- technologies to business, and marketing, and sales, and, and strategy, and everything that comes along with that, and partnerships with OSU and Langston. And, and so we're excited about all the growth potentials and all of those arms. Yeah, the market is just one. Um, <laughs> uh, it is a very exciting one, and we think it's going to have a pretty uh, drastic immediate impact for the community in a way that maybe some of the others haven't. So we're excited to see that unfold, but uh, then we'll kind of stay, stay the course yeah. and just keep pressing in and Going on,
0: and then and then even with the market, the market is actually not the the apex. Mm-hmm. It's actually a, just a a point of reference to drive people back to the five acre farm. Gotcha. So we can talk about like why do we have to have a five acre farm yeah. in an urban context because mm-hmm. typically farms are rural right. outside of the, the, the city limits yeah. yep. but
2: why, why do we have to have a, and so right. to be right. able to engage in
0: th- those conversations um, the market will be pivotal in, in making it yeah, yeah, happen yeah,
2: yeah. So. So there is also within the store and we have failed to mention this and yes. we should not fail to because it is an incredible piece the, uh, a cafe called the East Side Eatery run by a former head chef of Family Affair which is an incredibly well known restaurant on the East Side uh, Brandy Jones mm-hmm. so she will be head chef Chef in there, and then Dante, uh, assistant chef Dante Mason, and and a few others who have uh, just been incredible chefs that are very well known through the East Side. So come grab a bite to eat in the East Side eatery. Come shop the store.
0: Awesome. So um, one one thing I do want to share about the market, you know, after we get past that. Initial grand opening day, uh, market business hours will be from seven a.m. Monday through Saturday to eight p.m., and then Sunday ten a.m. to five p.m. Mm-hmm. The side eatery uh, will be open seven a.m. to two p.m. and from Monday Monday through Saturday, and then on Sundays twelve to four p.m. Yeah. Um, we talk once again. We talk about um, you know not just thinking about that person, but their entire family. If you're spending all your time um, at work, how do you have time to build relationships with your family? And so yeah. that was even. Some of our, our strategic thinking in, in business and operating hours for, for the the market yeah. and the cafe as well.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Well, guys, pleasure. Thanks for coming down, sharing some stories. I love what you do. Um, you know it, the people see that see Restore OKC and they, they don't know the hours that you put in, and I'm sure it's mm-hmm. a lot more than you get credit for. So <laughs> I appreciate you doing everything you do, uh, and for everyone listening, everything that jonathan kaylee just mentioned the links to the social media the hours the eatery it'll be down in the description below so you can go straight to that and yeah we'll catch you next episode cheers this podcast is presented by the oklahoma hall of fame telling oklahoma story through its people since 1927 for more information on the hall of fame go to www.oklahomahof.com and follow them on instagram for daily updates at oklahoma hof Also, huge shout out to RCB Bank for jumping on board to be a sponsor. RCB Bank's loan promotion is here for a limited time. Head into any of their 40 Oklahoma locations to get as low as 1.79 APR on your next car, boat, camper, or ATV. Apply online at rcbbank.com. RCB Bank, that's my bank. Rate and finance with approved credit. Restrictions apply. Member FDIC. Huge shout out to my sponsors. Uh, Thank you for listening. We'll catch you next episode. Cheers. Thank
0: you for listening.